Well, everyone, as we promised, we'd have our friend Dave Rubin here, but he had to run do something else. And so we're going to have him, I believe, next week. Susan, is that correct? Next Thursday or something? Yes. Later part of next week. So Tuesday uh, next week. Next Tuesday of next week. All right. So he's been rescheduled. After we but, go to New Orleans. Right. We still have Duncan Trussell coming in tomorrow. We still have uh, uh, Jessica Rose coming in. So it's all coming. So stand by. That will be our upcoming shows. But today, I've been wanting to do this for a little while, as always, and we have lots of guests right after, one after another. I want to take a time to answer your questions. And I've got a lot to talk about today. I've got sort of a lot on my mind trying to square out all we've heard. I and mean, there's a lot of stuff we've been kind of going through here, and we haven't had a chance to kind of equilibrate since hearing some kind of extreme ideas. So I'll tell you sort of where my head's at. And of course, we're taking your questions over on Twitter spaces. So all you got to do there is raise your hand. Uh, Caleb has a little uh, animated thing how to do that. You just request and I'll bring you up. And if you do come up, you're agreeing to be on multiple platforms, Twitter, Twitch, Facebook, YouTube, wherever we stream. There we are. There's the little, there's the little uh, animated prof thing. Uh, join spaces and then request. Let's get to it. Our laws, as it pertains to substances, are draconian and bizarre. The psychopaths start this way. He was an alcoholic. Because of social media and pornography, PTSD, love addiction, fentanyl and heroin, ridiculous I'm a, I'm a doctor for <laughs> sake. Where the hell do you think I learned that? I'm just saying. You go to treatment before you kill people. I am a clinician. I observe things about these chemicals. Let's just deal with what's real. We used to get these calls on Loveline all the time. Educate adolescents and to prevent and to treat. If you have trouble, you can't stop and you want to help stop it, I can help. I got a lot to say. I got a lot more to say. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Well, now here we are, just sharing ideas today. So I wanted to start out by telling you some thoughts that kind of clarified in my own mind. Um, I've been coming under a little criticism for, I know you guys are also grateful for some of the people that I've interviewed, but people are very challenged or become angry that people with alternative points of view are being interviewed or, God forbid, allowed to be on a platform, which just that notion is kind of disgust to me. So as soon as somebody says that, I immediately want to allow somebody to speak. Now, I may not agree with them, and I may not have the argument at hand to be able to argue them down, but I'm certainly willing to sit and listen patiently to what they have to say. But I realized that people that are preoccupied with other people becoming paranoid and into conspiracy theories. That's the concern. They're going to become conspiratorial. They're going to start to have a conspiracy. That is paranoid ideation, guys. If you are, Now, some people are more prone to paranoia than others. If you are prone to paranoia, you will find conspiratorial way of thinking sort of almost automatic. Now, Conspiratorial thinking is enhanced, is, is activated when people have the sense that information is being withheld from them. It's in the nature of paranoia to try to fill in where there isn't information. So that is very different than trying to change someone's opinion. It's very difficult 
to change people's opinion. There's a whole literature on that. There's even this sense that if you do change an opinion in one area, it might backfire and become more more solidified in another area. Some of the, the that that backfire effect has been called into question. But one of the classic bits of literature on that was people who were being given information about the measles vaccine were finally persuaded that it was a good thing to do, and then they doubled down on their anti-vax rhetoric in other on other vaccines. So that's what happens. People, hey, because they, because people tend to, if, if you're interested in this, Dave McCraney, who I've interviewed on this stream before, has a podcast called You Are Not So Smart. And he's preoccupied with this and he gets into all the details and he speaks to Dr. Dunning and Kruger and all the, you know, the greats uh, who've come up with some of these ideas. And he has finally decided that the only way to change a mind, and it, it made perfect sense to me, is essentially the way we do therapy. The way we do therapy, we're interested in changing minds. That's what we do. We commune with someone very closely. We listen to them with our whole being, with our body. We reflect back to them an understanding of what they're saying and feeling, and then metabolize it for them a little bit. Maybe offer something a little back to see if they can handle that metabolized version of what they might be thinking. And you do that many, many thousands of times, and that's what moves people off a dime, off a position. It doesn't really help. Argumentation doesn't really help. Not when, particularly not when people have very firm opinions. Now, changing the mind is not the same as reducing conspiratorial thinking. Those are two different phenomenon. Get that straight in your head. When I, you know, dec three and a half decades working in a psychiatric hospital, lots of paranoid folks in there of all stripe. And one thing I observed over and over again, if they even had, if those people who were prone to paranoia even had a feeling that something was being withheld from them. Forget evidence that something was being withheld. A sense that something was being withheld. Watch out, the paranoia blossomed. And very hard to get them back from that, except by being open and honest and presenting everything. You'll notice how with the, uh, the balloons, people have a sense that these Chinese balloons, there's something going on that we don't know, because there probably is. I mean, this is military stuff, secret Nefarious. stuff. Well, I don't know about it's nefarious, but I don't want to know everything the military is doing if it's not in my, the country's best interest. But people who have conspiratorial thinking will immediately fill that in with all kinds of ideas, whether it's alien, you know, whatever, or it's Russia, it's China, it's I know what it is. You must stay with the evidence. And I understand when the evidence is seemingly scant or withheld, don't fill it in. Wait for the evidence. Wait for the evidence. So let me look at what you guys are saying here on some of the restream stuff and also in the Rumble Rants. Susan, are you over there in the Rumble Rants? Yep. Okay, good. Uh, and I'm on the restream. And of course, we're going to be taking your questions off the Twitter spaces uh, in just a second. Somebody named Nuts and Bolts said Jordan Peterson has a good video about how to have a productive debate with someone. Yeah, when you're having a de debate with somebody, you're really not going to change the other person's point of view. What you're hoping is that somebody listening will adopt that audience, that uh, point of view or that argumentation or be, you know, it usually, I mean, argumentation usually just sort of solidifies positions. It doesn't change people's positions. It's why when people go into therapy, you cannot tell somebody, don't you see what you're doing? You need to do X. That never works. It doesn't work because in fact, what happens when you come at somebody who has lots of, feelings of our type 
and you come straight towards them, their defensive mechanisms go up much more powerfully and they push back. Then they are not going to change. So people have got to get this through their head. And the fact that we are limiting free speech because of this misunderstanding is really a serious problem in my mind. People have to get this different, this difference. So that's something that's bugging me these days. All right. Uh, super chat. Any relation between the Gates Foundation sterilizing women in Africa and India using vaccines and the drop in birth rates in the West post vaccines? Um, Stefan, I don't see the evidence. I, I Again, we haven't really decided yet whether what, what we're looking at yet. That's what one of my criticisms is we have not clarified some of this data. That's why John Campbell is always looking at the camera incredulously with, uh, un, you know, trying to understand why governments aren't rushing to, to answer this. Now, maybe they have, maybe they're withholding it. I don't know. But the point is, clarity is not there. It's sort of trickling in from various sides. I mean, if you look at the medical literature, you can find things both ways, frankly. Uh, so until there's sort of a, a consensus, I, I'm, I'm withholding my position. So where do I stand with all that we've heard lately, right? So we, we've had some extreme positions uh, on this show, including Naomi Wolf calling the vaccines a bioweapon. Um, I have had some very complicated cases lately in elderly patients. I think I brought it up a little bit. But uh, I have had patients where I could not use Paxlovid because of the complexity of other things being treated. So I have patients that are elderly, meaning 75 and plus, serious, complicated, oncological or and or infectious disease problems on multiple medications that interact with Paxlovid who get COVID, all right? So these are the people that could get really sick really fast. And my hands are tied a bit, right? We don't have the monoclonal antibodies now. We may have uh, lambda interferon coming up. I don't know if you guys are aware of this, but we've spent a lot of time on this show talking about the cytokine. If you look back a couple of months, the cytokine activation system and which interferons are involved with it, lo and behold, pedulated lambda interferon which is one of the interferons we were talking about, just give it straight away. Forget the cytokine system or having the white cells release it. We'll just give you the interferon and lo and behold, it works. So that is in my back pocket now for some of these complicated cases. But what I want to say is in these elderly patients, which it is common as you get older to have multiple medical problems and be on multiple medication, it is common. I can keep people alive well past 75, but things happen like COVID, tuberculosis, cancers, makes it complicated. It's not like treating a 60-year-old with maybe hypertension with Paxlovid. It's very different. Now, I have used it many times in the elderly who have who are otherwise well with quite good results, a little rebound, that kind of thing. So I am a fan of Paxlovid in the populations where we know what we're doing, which is over the age of 65. Under that, it gets more complicated and we don't really know what we're doing. Some evidence that it might be useful in a young person, I don't really see it. What's the matter, Susan? What's the matter? I will take calls. Let me finish my thing. <laughs> Let me finish my oh, Here's one now. Um, yeah, people are get, get through my do not disturb no matter what. But okay, I see you guys requesting there. I will get right to you. Uh, but let me just finish this. I, I have to straighten everything out. What I want to say is, because a lot of stuff gets said on this program, and, and I just, you know, we listen, and now I want to straighten it out. What I want to say is in those patients that are over 65 years old that have complicated situations, you cannot imagine how reassuring it is to have them vaccinated. 
The, the, all this sort of nonsense about people where I, Steve Kirsch put up a big thing today that vaccinated people are more likely to die. Not in the elderly population. I'm sorry. The, I, a, one thing I've learned to rely on over and over and over again is my clinical experience. Clinical experience trumps research, trumps evidence. It just does. Now, we can be wrong with our clinical experience. Don't get me wrong. I'm always prepared to be wrong. But clinical experience is something that is telling us something. And what I'm telling you is in the elderly populations, having vaxxed and boosted makes things so much better, particularly in these very complicated situations. And it gives me um, sort of a, a margin of safety. And I assume it's cellular immunity to the T-cell mediated response. Uh, watch Monica Gandhi. She talks at length about that. It gives me a margin of safety to get these people safely through. And I now have a 100% track record with doing so. Some were on Paxlovid, some were not. But it is a different day in terms of being able to manage these things and is a different setting when these older folks are vaccinated. Of course, it's Omicron, which is also part of the different setting. Does that mean I support vaccinating a 30-year-old and boosting and keep going? No. It's a different situation. Or an infant. I, I, I'm, I'm still confused why our regulatory bodies would recommend it. I don't get it. So I might be missing something. And I'm prepared to adjust my position, but I don't get that. And if a 30-year-old came to me and wanted advice, we'd sit down and talk about it. And he or she, particularly he, the ones I worry about, would be the one generally making the decision because I wouldn't say, you need to do this. So it's it's challenging. I don't uh, think we would have gotten the vaccine if we didn't go to Greece. I wouldn't have. Yeah. I wouldn't have. Uh, I, I was relying on my natural immunity. Because you immunity. had COVID. I had COVID. I knew that natural immunity was a good thing. I mean, I felt better once I had the first, you know, the first round of Pfizer, mm -hmm. you know, second round. Mm -hmm. But the booster, I just did it sort of impromptu. And well, and this is the other thing. You, you got to, I'm going to get to the questions, I promise. You've got to come to terms with the fact that that adverse reactions are still rather rare. There, I would I would submit unacceptably high, particularly given that you don't derive enough benefit for me to understand why you would take it, but it's still rather rare. So kind of keep that in mind as we try to. There's time to make these decisions. Could I be wrong on that one? Could there be much more going on than I realize? Yeah, could be, and I'm prepared to accept that as well once the data <laughs> clarifies itself. But think about how many billions of people have received this and that we're seeing thousands of problems we're seeing thousands of concerned things that we're trying to understand is that related to the vaccine and i would agree as we've discussed many times on this program that relative to, to other vaccines we are accepting unacceptably high problems with this vaccine for uncertain gain particularly in the day of omicron now if there's something happening that, that I don't see with Omicron or the, with the vaccine changing, morphing, mutating that they're worried about. I, I get it, but people aren't dropping dead. People aren't dropping dead. Yeah, they are dropping dead. They aren't. They aren't. Yeah, it seems like it. It seems it's just, you know, it's treatable. Oh, from Omicron. Yeah. Yeah, but they seem perhaps to be dropping dead from the vaccine. That's the concern. Yes yeah, no. right. Are there excess deaths? This is the thing that John Campbell keeps asking. Are there excess deaths? Is there not excess deaths? What, 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 and if there is excess death, why is there not a rush to figure this out? And by the way, the excess deaths are on the order of where we were, you know, in darker hours of COVID. And the one of the really interesting things I want to point out, and I'll go to calls, I promise, which is that 
COVID compared to a year ago, so Super Bowl was a year ago. I think I brought it up in the show once before. So one year ago, we had a mask mandate in the in this county, in LA County, for the same level of COVID that we have right now. That's the insanity of what we were into. Insane. It did nothing. And you see now, without a mandate, are people dying? I saw Rachel Maddow, when she was looking at the State of the Union address, went, oh, why are people wearing masks? There's a bunch of old people in there. Did, did we have a mass outbreak? Did people die after being in that uh, in the Congress that night for the State of the Union address? Are there, are there thousands, hundreds of cases, people dying? Is that, is that what she implies? And people don't think that through. Zero cases. Zero cases. One mask. Bernie Sanders. Good for him. He wants to wear a mask? Fine. He wore the right kind of mask, too. So that's, that's where we're at. So, all right. Susan, did that make sense? Of course. Of course. The pandemic that's always is, true. is over. Yeah. So the pandemic President Biden said is it over. He's right. He's right. The pandemic piece is over. It's endemic now. It's endemic. Meaning, and I saw Twitter again. People go, I can't believe I'm wearing a mask. I got this thing. It's like, yeah, everybody's. Yeah, but why aren't they? Everybody. Why didn't he mention anything about the vaccines, like how it's killing people? Well, because we don't, speech. I don't, we don't, you can't say that yet. I don't know that that's true. But, uh, here's somebody uh, who's. I I think a lot of people on our restream think it's true because they've witnessed it. There's certainly an unacceptably high, in my humble opinion, amount of side effects given the benefit that there's no significant benefits to be derived. So I'm worried about that. And are there sudden deaths? I want to know what got Damar Hamlin. If that was a pulmonary embolus, that was the vaccine. I'm sorry, that's what it was. Or COVID. No, if it was a, a car, heart attack or an arrhythmia, it could have been COVID. If it's a pulmonary embolus, unless <laughs> he had COVID difference. actively, unless he actively had COVID, which he, I don't believe he did. Ups and downs. There you are. What's going on? Hi, Dr. Drew. Hi, everyone. Hey um, I wrote in the little comment section, and I was actually on with Sean Hannity a couple years ago. My mother passed away of Huntington's Korea, and I took care of her for about 12 years mm. and not knowing anything about it and going as we learned and that kind of thing. Um, I took the flu shot after my mother had passed away in 2009, mm -hmm. and I almost died. What, I had three what, infectious disease. What oh, happened? sorry. What happened? Why, why did you I almost die? died. Of what? I wound up in the hospital. Um, they said that I was allergic to the flu vaccine. That, that, was that happens. Time. That happens. Some people yes. are allergic to the vaccines and they should not take it. Yes. And went into anaphylactic shock. Yep. Um, this was at Eisenhower Hospital in Palm Springs mm -hmm. or Palm Desert. It happens. And yep. And in doing that, I had three infectious disease doctors that were actually there at the time until they put it down to the fact that I had taken the flu shot. Mm -hmm. You are not to take another adult vaccine mm -hmm. because, is what they told me, because I also have other allergies. I have allergies mm -hmm. to penicillin. I have allergies to aspirin, that kind of thing. So um, when I was on with Sean, I asked him, I said, as far as the blood supply. Mm -hmm. So now we're looking at um, people that went and got vaccinated and going like they should to go and donate blood, mm -hmm. everything like that. Mm -hmm. And now all of a sudden I'm driving down the street. God forbid something happens to me. I get rushed to the hospital. Well, I get okay. donated blood. All right. So, so I, that's a, that do? is very different than the components of a vaccine that causes allergy. What's in the donated okay. blood is the spike protein, right? 
And we do have concerns about the spike protein. Don't get me wrong. This is, um, this is another question that absolutely needs to be answered. But allergy is not the issue. What would be the issue is the spike protein at sufficient concentration to cause all the toxicities that we're seeing, the menstrual irregularities, the, the depositions in the adrenal glands, the cardiac toxicity, the neural toxicity. Uh, Roy, uh, Ryan Cole has a ton of data on this where the spike gets deposited. Now, can your body, I started thinking about this this morning, can your body clear the spike protein? Maybe, maybe. I'm assuming it does. Uh, the question is how long and are, what are the risks in the meantime? Now, obviously, Dr. Cole is looking at people that are post-mortem, and they seem to have died of something related to that, that spike protein issue. Now, that, though, is, again, not blood supply concentrations of spike protein, but the, the seeming um, phenomenon of the mRNA vaccine causing unrestrained production of spike protein in certain individuals, which is probably a different issue than what you might be exposed to in the blood, in the blood supply. Now, obviously, the blood supply is being used the way it always has, and it's not as though we're seeing the same kind of post-transfusion problems that we're seeing post-vaccination. So we will keep an eye on that. We will keep a significant eye on that. All that's got to be done. Uh, thank you for your question. This is Itana, I think, Itana. And uh, I'll warn everybody that the coming to the podium here, it's, it's a little bit glitchy with um, with Twitter spaces. So you have to always, once you get up there, make sure you unmute your mic. So now is when you unmute your mic because it tends to mute itself again once you get up to the, up to the speaker's uh, podium, so to speak. Yeah, I want us to be very, very careful, very careful, not hysterical and not paranoid. Careful, careful, careful in what we say and what we come to understand. Uh, Itana, you're still muted. There, there you Hi, are. Dr. Drew. Hey there. Can you hear me? I do. Hi, thank you so much. Um, full disclosure, I work for Naomi Wolf and Daily Clout now. Um, I joined her team a few months ago, and I just want to say I really appreciate the wide range of voices that you um, you invite onto your to your show. And I've been following you for a long time. I think it's really interesting the way that everything has evolved. Um, in terms of kind of moving forward. Uh, people who were against mask mandates for children, let's say, um, were called selfish for being against masks. Mm -hmm. But the people who were against the mandates fully believe that the other people were selfish for expecting children to mask on their behalf. Right. How do you move forward when there's two such different perspectives and you just don't see it the same way? Uh I, I think there's sort of two things that come to mind for me. One is you have to keep advocating on behalf of reality, right? Reality comes to bear. That's the one thing I've noticed when people get into ideologies and outer space and religious kind of thinking. Let re Just keep reiterating reality. And then understand there is a thing going on right now where people have a sense of it's well, look, we all have narcissistic traits right now, and these narcissistic traits are causing people to have these grandiose, expansive sense of their own purpose and their wisdom and their desire to put things on other people, to demand other people either silence or wear masks, whatever it is. And if if there is sufficient unison of reality to bear, 
You must get everybody together and go, stop it. Stop it. Cut it out. You're hurting these kids. Stop it. And that's it. And just don't go beyond that. Because, I, again, all I have is my experience in the psychiatric hospital. And whenever people would get like this, we would bring five or six staff together. And we'd go, stop it. Cut it out. You're, you're spinning. Just stop it. And they, and they immediately stop when you have a show of force. It's kind of, and they get wounded because it exposes their, their grandiosity, exposes them to shame. And they feel, you know, wounded by it and stuff. Like, they, they get over it very quickly. Just stop, everybody. Let the kids be kids. This isn't doing anything. There's no compelling reason for it. Just keep reiterating the reality. Do you agree? Um, thank you. Um, the problem I have with that is that the people who should have been in the position to be the force that stops the masking of children were the ones who were enforcing it yep. or at the very best, not, you know, passively, passively just saying, well, there's nothing I can do about it because the board of education makes the rules or whatever the case may be. But for instance, uh, imagine getting a group of parents together and just going, stop, cut it out. You're not helping. You're not, you're hurting our kids. Stop it. I mean, just that kind of unified, very firm hand goes a long way. You'll be surprised. Just it's just like it's what are, what are you doing? Stop it! You're you're hurting them. Let's get going. It's well, a pandemic now. I think you're that voice. So thank you very much. I all appreciate right. you uh, taking all the calls. All right, I appreciate it. And keep getting the reality. Let reality come in. Keep looking at the data. Keep looking at reality. My goodness, if there were compelling reasons to do those that masking of children, I'd be all about it. Are you kidding? What's the what? I mean, think about how other people are thinking. What is? You want to hurt other people? You want to hurt kids? You want to hurt teachers? What 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 is this? It, there's not even a slight uh, risk benefit. In, uh, there's not a slight chance that the risk benefit comes on down on the side of doing it. That's the reality. And so, if people are mandating it. You have to un, you have to kind of ask them to please stop. Please stop. All right, uh, let is us take, uh, uh, yeah, I know. Someone's putting, imagine being a deaf child and everyone wearing masks. Yeah, it's unbelievable. Well, I guess you'd, you'd learn your, uh, look, I, people are very adaptable. I think we'll get out of this. People on autopilot need to wake up and live in the now for sure. Reality, live in reality. Let reality come to bear. We've been through some very, very strange times and, and we continue to sort of do that. Um, just try to keep your feet square on the ground. Let's take a little break. Back with more calls after this. Not sure how to say I love you this Valentine's Day? Well, nothing says I love you more than a few minutes of relaxation, and GenuCell Skin Care does just that. Gives you the luxury gift of feeling like you spent the entire day in the spa, all while, in fact, in the comfort of your own home. Susan loves to feel pampered and special, especially on Valentine's Day, so why not relax with a detoxifying mask and feel amazing after only one use? I know I'm a snob about the products I use on my face. Everybody knows it. Every time I go to the dermatologist's office, they're just rows and rows of different creams. Retinols, vitamin C cream, under eye cream, night creams. Scrubs. And then when I get to the counter, they're overpriced. All kinds of products that you can all find at GenuCell.com. I've fallen in love with this product at a fraction of the price. I've been using GenuCell for six months now, and I'm very impressed. GenuCell's mask works wonders by pulling out all of your imperfections to make you feel refreshed and looking like you just stepped out of a facial appointment. Order the Dr. Drew package today and try this amazing mask for free. That's right. Every single Dr. Drew and Susan package includes a free mask to celebrate you and your loved one on this Valentine's Day. Go to GenuCell.com Drew and enter code Drew for an extra 10% off your entire purchase. Plus, all orders are upgraded to priority shipping for free. That's 
That's genucel.com slash Drew, G-E-N-U-C-E-L.com slash D-R-E-W. Despite the U.S. blowing through the $31.4 trillion debt ceiling this January, the White House and the government still refuses to reduce spending. When it comes to fiscal responsibility, you can't afford to bury your head in the sand. Now would be a great time to consider gold with Birch Gold. In times of high uncertainty and instability, gold is king. Birch Gold makes it easy to convert an IRA or 401k into an IRA in precious metals. Here's what you need to do. Visit birchgold.com to claim your free information kit, the info kit on gold, and then talk to one of their precious metals specialists. Think about this. To dig our country out of this mountain of debt, Every single taxpayer in the country would have to write a check for $247,000. And, of course, they're not, so it's only getting worse. Protect yourself with gold today by visiting birchgold.com slash Drew. That is B-I-R-C-H gold.com slash Drew. With an A-plus rating with the Better Business Bureau, thousands of happy customers, and countless five-star reviews, you can trust Birch Gold to protect your future. Here's what I want you to do. Visit birchgold.com slash Drew today. All right, we're back. We're taking your calls. Uh, let's get somebody up here. Mary wants to come up and give, ask question, make comment. Uh, we see you over in the Rumble Rants. Thank you guys for participating there. Uh, yes, lots of interesting stuff going on. Okay. Our restream well, is being glitchy, so yes, you're going to have to talk to people on Twitter. I'm asking Mary again. She fell back out. That's the kind of glitchy thing we're dealing with. I see the request. I will try to get to you guys. I promise uh, we have time to do that today. I think I'll be talking to Michaela Peterson later today, which should be interesting for her podcast. I haven't heard anything otherwise, Susan, of you, that we're going to do that. Mary, unmute yourself there, and uh, we'll be able to... There you are. Uh, hello, Dr. Drew. Thanks so much for taking my call. Mm -hmm. My name is Mary McDonald-Lewis. I happen to be a national board member for SAG-AFTRA, Screen Actors Guild AFTRA, but I'm calling today in my capacity as a member of that union. Our offices have been closed for two and a half years, shuttered, closed. No employees in them nationwide. We have offices in New York, Los Angeles, Chicago, and then all across the country. Mm -hmm. Obviously on set, vaccines have been required. There's been heavy testing and so forth. Mm -hmm. Our offices are now open as of only the past few days, but proof of vaccine is still being required and masks are still being required to enter those offices. Wow. They've asked us to, yes, they've asked us to use the clear app to demonstrate proof of vaccine. Mm. I would just love to have your comments on that. And I, I wanted to obviously uh, it, uh, express my support of your just your just ask them to please provide the data. I, I'm guessing I'm guessing there are attorneys making these decisions, and when people yeah, and when attorneys make decisions, reality bears no issue. What they're trying to do is limit liability, so even the perception of harm. Like let's say somebody gets a bad case of COVID, no one can say. They weren't doing everything possible at the SAG after offices. I'm sure that's what it is. Those attorneys need to be addressed and addressed and dressed down for that matter for the uh, disproportionate behavior requirements of, of the office. I mean, just exactly what, what expert are they consulting with? This is always my question to these people. Who told you to do this? What infectious yeah. disease expert thought this was a good idea? Tell me, not an attorney. 
I understand you're trying to limit my ability. Fine. Now talk to me about the, the, the evidence you, you use to make that decision other than you're afraid of liability. So that's always my question. Look, I, I brought up many times I was sitting on a set doing a news broadcast when the L.A. County School Board came in. One of the members and said he was going to close the schools down. I said, who told you to do this? Did you consult with somebody? Was there a infectious disease doctor involved in this decision? No, it's just the right thing to do. That's an insane yes. response. That is insanity. And we have to yes. move back from insanity. That's all I'm saying. But I understand. I'm sympathetic, by the way, though, um, Mary, I'm sympathetic to people trying to limit liability because guess what? There's craziness on that side, too. Right. I'm sure there are people that are yes. they're making crazy allegations about all kinds of things. And so I get it. But at least they should be maintaining a level of diligence that the average business maintains, let's say. And what they're requiring on sets is expensive and way over the top for reasons I, I don't know. But maybe those attorneys have an argument. I, if anybody's an attorney out there, uh, please let me know. I, I would love to hear. Thank you. Uh, thank you, Mary. I would love to hear what I just what think the they have too is. much money to spend this on this stuff, you know? They could be like feeding... Nobody has too much money. Uh, starving uh, children with all the money they yeah, spend on exactly. COVID tests. Like, exactly. Jesus. Uh, this is Jenna. That's showbiz. <laughs> hi, Jenna. Yes. Hi, hi, Dr. Drew. Uh, my name is Jenna Burns, and I'm here in Austin, Texas. Mm -hmm. And um, they murdered my husband in the hospital with the protocols of lindesivir and a ventilator mm -hmm. back in September of 21. Mm -hmm. Sorry. And they are still using this protocol. And my question is, why? Are they still using it? Why are people still believing that all these people died in the hospital when they really didn't die from COVID? They died from the type of care that they got. I have not seen compelling evidence that remdesivir is that big of a problem in terms of what you're describing. I've seen evidence that it's not terribly effective, but and it's not great for your kidneys, but having some transient renal failure is not going to cause somebody to die. On the other hand, well, well hold on. On the other hand, okay. the aggressive use of ventilators was clearly a problem and clearly not the proper approach. Now, I wasn't there when your husband, unfortunately, was put on a ventilator, but you are absolutely right that oxygen damage and pressure damage was not all, but contributed to what was going on in so many people that were on ventilators. And you'll see they're ventilating a lot less now than they did then. So I, I, I don't know how you address that. I don't know how you, how you get any kind of justice for that kind of thing because people were um, in, a, in a state and they were doing the best they could. But as usual, this is, this is a very pertinent to the vaccine conversation too. It's like we in medicine have the potential to do harm. And we have to always weigh that out. And during this pandemic, we just, we backed off that, that thinking, it seemed to me. And just we're following these, these, you know, these very repetitive sort of pathways, these, these protocols that really were not in the best interest of the patient. The Jenna, your husband is unfortunately one of the, one of the casualties of that reality. And, and I thank you for your call. We have to kind of keep going here, but thank you for, uh, for coming up and, and talking about that. Uh, here's a physician. I want to get him in here and see what he's got to say about that. Geriatric physician. 
uh, and maybe you can help me to refine my position. Jerodoc, you're connecting. We're not there yet. We'll get you there. I'll look at the restream in the meantime. Uh, 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 okay. All right. Everyone's getting very excited about I'm what I'm curious, to, Drew. Uh, yeah, uh, this is Caleb. Uh, curious. So people yeah. were asking questions in the comments. So what do you consider to be like the definition of rare whenever you're saying that there's, it's rare to see side effects to the vaccine? I, 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 I would say it's a great question. And that's the number I want. I want that number. But let's, let's put it this way. Billions of doses, not billions of side effects, not clearly not right. billions, right? Not hundreds of millions. I don't even think significant millions, maybe millions, but certainly thousands of thousands, right? And that, and that compared to the reason I brought that up is I wanted Susan to relax. Oh, that where'd that Gerald doctor go? He was just there. One death is too many. Yeah, remember that? that? Well, yeah, remember when one death was too many? That was right, on the COVID exactly. side. One death is too many. One death is right. too many. And yeah, the tune well, now we've got changes. some question about deaths on the back. Yeah, and the diathesis changes here. Because they're um, not going to admit they're wrong. But what I, when I brought that up, I was trying to calm Susan down, hoping other people would calm down as well, realizing that the probability of her having serious side effect is low. You know, I worry about it. We had one son that took an extra booster, the, the bivalent booster. I didn't think he needed it. He I took mean, it. maybe I had a side effect, but I'm already brain dead. So, you know. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I'll try you again, Jero Doctor. It didn't it's, seem uh, any different. It's uh, like when I, when I think about that, it's like I, I always try to remind people I got the mRNA vaccine, I got the boosters, I was totally fine. When I got COVID, I, it was yeah. nowhere near as bad as other people I knew who didn't get it. But however, I also know at the same time, yeah. Even one in every ten thousand, that is a huge number. Like I, and for that one person, huge in number every 10, 000, when the, that's when, a destroyed well, family. Well, if it's no, a young it's, athlete to, or a or a child, it's it. like it's a know. huge number if the that's a huge number if the rate of serious complication from COVID is one in a hundred thousand. Right, exactly. If it's a factor right. of ten, well, now I'm listening. Now I'm interested. Right. And that's uh, separating Doc, this conversation from wherever. like you know, the ideas, you know, what Naomi Wolf was saying and the people talking about how it being a possible bioweapon, separating it from that conversation yeah. itself and just Look, looking at the numbers. Yeah. The reason one I in didn't 10, push, 000, yeah, the, you know. The reason I didn't push back on that is I don't really know what that means. She has proven herself right in many situations where I thought I she know. was wrong. She's like clairvoyant. Right. So I'm just listening. I, I, and so my position is, I don't think she's right. I hope she's wrong. I, I'm not gonna, gonna assail her position. You it's know what, I, I just have to say something. Yeah. A friend of mine's, friend had a baby recently mm -hmm. and the minute the baby was born they asked if she would like to give the baby the covid vaccine mm -hmm. and she was like uh no thank you and they they were very aggressive with it she said and i was like my goodness yeah, on like, birth i mean on, come on birth. you don't even know if the baby's healthy yet like when it comes out you're mm -hmm. gonna you're gonna i mean you wouldn't know if it was a congenital or the covid vaccine that's just so weird to me so, Caleb, I'm having a technical problem here with the Twitter spaces. There's a guy named Jero Doc that is, here he keeps coming up, and I keep trying to pull him up here. If I invite him as a co-host, is that possible no, to bring him I'm up? I'm going to try to. I'll bring no, him up the on my side here. Right. Well, I just brought him up as a speaker. Hold on, let's see what, and then you can try next time. Uh, he keeps he yeah, keeps very he, diligent. He keeps coming back to note to uh, Elon Musk. Let's work on spaces next. Oh my God, yes, because you know some of these guys like. Uh, Mario Nafal has got these, you know, 10,000, 15,000, 100,000 people in his spaces. Crashes see, all the time. See if you, yeah, it crashes all the time. Go, you try it this time, Caleb. He's up there 
requesting to come in. Okay, maybe Caleb can bring him in. And then we'll get through some of the rest of you here. I see you. Uh, uh. It's loading. Yeah, I see that. I'm just looking at who else we have lined up here to give people a chance. Okay. I'd say Dallas is up next. If I can get, if uh, if Jerodoc doesn't connect this time, I'm going to pull somebody else up. Well, give him a good chance of coming up here. So, uh, let me. I can look at the uh, restream in the meantime because uh, people are very, very uh, mobilized by some okay. of these problems, and I, and I get it. Again, I get it. I understand. I'm sympathetic. I just feel like things are getting swept under the carpet now. Mm. They're not. You know, we're we're still reporting it, but I just think that people are going to get tired of it and just uh, getting get tired of the COVID talk or just getting the answers, and, and then just sort of cave I to mean, what the recommendations are. I mean, in ten years, we'll have more data and we'll go, oh yeah, that was a bad idea. But um, I'm surprised that we're not more aware of it because it's it's such a new vaccine, yep. and we should be getting every detail that we can and have it all documented just yeah. so that we know what's going on. It just blows me away. All right. I'm bringing Dallas up. Let's see if uh, Dallas can get connected. There you are. Dallas came right in. Dallas, Hello. What's Hi. Hey, what's going on there? <laughs> uh, sorry. You might hear my two-year-old in the background. Um, well, I wanted to call in because I'm a new mom. I'm 28. I became a mom during the pandemic, and I'm also becoming one of those paranoid people that you talked about at the beginning of the stream. Okay. To the point where it's like debilitating. Um, oh. Like yesterday during the Super Bowl, I've been so afraid of these Chinese balloons that I thought something was going to happen, and I refused to leave my house. Um, and it's just upsetting that. Yeah. So, so I, were you been like this in were, my life? Right. Were you like this before you were a mother? Uh, no. <laughs> do, you, do you think that the child has something to do with these feelings you're having? Yes, I'm yeah. terrified of anything happening. Right. To us I think I think that's what's escalating this for you, Susan. Do you want to speak mom to mom about that? Oh my you... God, she's that baby's so cute. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, I think that I, I got a text from somebody who was telling me the same kind of thing. And I was just like, oh, my God. And I'm I am worried, too. But the paranoia doesn't need to be so extreme because I would say it, it, also, being fearful of what probably isn't going to happen isn't going to make you happy in your life. It's not going to make things better. It's are, not bad. It, I mean, it's not bad to stay home. We, but we are powerless. Stuff, but. I would just say that if a chorus of mothers would get together and again tell people to kind of stop the BS, I, I'm starting to hear things like that now, where people that are moms are going, "I'm going to school board. I'm not going to allow this anymore. Let's just stop it. I got to protect my kids." No, but I'm she's taking fearing. Home. She's fearing no, World I, War Three. I, I, I not, understand. She's not I, fearing. Like I she is fearing it. for her child, which I would too. But so what she wants is two things. I want more information, from, uh, real information from my government so I don't freak out about what I don't know. And I want you to protect me. I want you to show me that you're protecting me. That is not a lot to ask. Yeah, they're uh, not very transparent Dallas. right that now. That is not a lot to ask. Because it's military stuff. And, and I think you should ask for it. Uh, just stand up with other moms and just go, hey, we, we need to know some things because we're 
trying to protect the next generation here, and, it, and it's affecting us. We're, it's making us sick the way you're behaving. And it really is. I'm not surprised. I'm not surprised. So, so how does she do that? Like Facebook? or? I don't know. Well, I mean, maybe you two can get together. I don't know. I, I don't know what the answer is other than start just going to have the meetings. intent. School board meetings and things. At least, yeah. you know what? Reach out to your friends also who have kids your age and, and try, you know, like mommy and me's and stuff like that and discuss these feelings because then you can build you know, relationships with other moms who are dealing with probably the and, same and thing. You know what? Somebody actually did. I don't know if you're inclined this way, but somebody on the restream did mention something actually that would work, which is if you have a if you have a community of faith that you could gather with and sort of feel a sense of purpose and communion with them, that that will reduce a lot of this. It really will. That that kind of feeling of turning it over and having faith that can be very helpful when you're feeling like this. And if whatever that is for you. Uh, right or organize or that. like like I said like a mommy and me type thing where you or go or church or whatever your... whatever that is where you know where you can like her is this your first child yes so she's not in school yet right so you're you're not you're not right. connecting with anybody till they're like three three and a half or whatever yeah. like two right. is a tough age because you're just sort of isolated in your home most of the time yeah. um, yes but once you get if you can get out maybe go to a baby gym or something and just meet other moms and just you know have a, an adult conversation you know and while they're playing and just tell your fears to other people because it just really makes you feel better to be around other adults 100 percent. and and again if, yeah. if, if, i had i had three two-year-olds it was hell <laughs> and, and and in in again i want to just frame it that things like gratitude faith hope you know turning it over to something that that all is very very powerful and and will help you right some and some, some churches have those kind of like mommy and me type things. Like I think I went to one once. It was fun to meet other moms and hear but their Dallas, I'm just concerns. playing I'm playing the odds. We're gonna be okay. Just playing the odds. Even Naomi, even Naomi Wolf said that after alarming everybody. She said we're gonna be fine. So so try to try to stay around to the people can think and reassure you. Okay. I think she wants Thank a ra a, really a career in radio. Yeah. I, I, she wants to be yeah. behind the mic. I think She's so. like, I'm next. Can I talk, please? Yeah. Well, thank you guys very right, much. Dallas. I appreciate you, it. You bet. You bet. I mean, so this kind of, just this kind of thing can be helpful. All right. We're going to try Jero Doc one more time. Somebody, by the way, Kayla uh, uh, put up a tweet where somebody said they, this, his wife, I guess, joined a mommy hiking group and it saved. Oh, Jero Doc is connecting. There you are, my friend. You made it. Hello. I don't know what kind of uh, evil spirits have possessed Twitter for me today, so I'll just keep this really brief. Okay. I've been in long-term care, working in long-term care for almost 20 years, and I'm really quite curious. It's been a long three years for my residents. Yep. They have not been unmasked or seen, well, rather, seen their caregivers or family unmasked mm. for the last three years. And I'm really wondering when is there any sign that this will end? Because... You know, personally, just to tip my hand, I don't really see any net benefits to this arrangement, this yeah, yeah. ongoing universal masking whatsoever. Yeah. And in fact, I think it's harmful. Yeah, so. I, I, I agree. Uh, I think we need to, those of us with that opinion, need to kind of creep out of the shadows a little bit. I, I was with patients this morning, and all the patients wanted my masks out, off, uh, but I had to maintain the theater for other doctors and other staff. So it, it we have to, and by the way, one of, you know, some of the, 
other people that I was protecting with masks have had COVID a couple times already, so I don't know what I'm doing. Um, but I, I'm with you. I, I'm concerned about it. Hey, let me ask you this. What, what is you, what would you say is the average, if you, if you have somebody coming into long-term care, and I used to do a lot of work in long-term care too, both in uh, dementia units and in regular nursing homes. What do you, what would you say now is the average life expectancy, not somebody coming in because they fractured their hip and need some tune up people who are sufficiently deteriorated that they will need to be in institutional care the rest of their life. A, a what would you say to somebody making that decision or family making that decision? And B, what would you say is their life expectancy after doing so? Boy, that's a that's a tough question based on a whole number of things. I think the thing I focus on most is the change that seems to have taken place over the last three years in terms of the resident or functioning of residents. Uh, since the so-called lockdowns and all the mandates came down, which, of course, hit you know nursing homes very hard. There's a wide variety of skilled nursing quality you can get. Yep. Um, and I would say that the evidence is starting to come out a bit that uh, fun functional decline, deconditioning, increases in depression. Mm -hmm. And that's irrespective of whether a COVID, uh, whether, a, whether a particular unit or hospital, a long-term care hospital has been hit by COVID. That seems to be what's going on. I have a colleague who reported from just the other day we were doing a conference call and reported that there, there's there been an increase in excess death at her facility since COVID started. It seems to be independent of COVID status. Right. So, you know, I think that I'm a lot more hesitant recommending people go into long-term care today than I was three plus years ago. Used to be, I'd say, find it. Yeah, it's just, I think it's a really dodgy environment to be in. So well, let me ask you this, and and again, you've answer. you've you've tilted at that there's a wide spectrum. I mean, that's a, you know it, it can go from really gruesome to kind of nice. Uh, that that's true and attentive too, by the way. Um, but when it comes time for you, let's say you live long enough that you need institutional support, what's the plan for you? Um, <laughs> I ma I married somebody younger than me. <laughs> I don't know. I, I, is, that, I, is that to get her to put a pillow over your head? What are you talking about? <laughs> what exactly <laughs> do you mean by that? <laughs> uh, well, you know, I think I'd like to say that I know enough about this business at this point um, where I could navigate the system because it really is a system. It's, it's, it's you know, it's the old Goffman-esque total institution thing. You know, it's really yeah. become that way. Yeah. Um, I feel like I could navigate it better than most. But honestly, I'd want to last as long as I possibly could in assisted living. There's there's a lot better ways yeah. to go in the ALF industry right now yeah. and home care than being in, um, you know, the, the, the Medicare model dominated uh, sniff industry. No, I, I listen, I, I've just said, hey, look, if I'm so far gone that I need two people to turn me and feed me and all that stuff, just let's just get hospice and let, let's do it at home. It's just, you know, yeah. if, if it's an intermediate kind of thing that I could come back from or I have some quality of life and I've had a spinal cord injury or something, okay, maybe then. But but if it's really total debilitation of aging, what are we doing? What's the plan here? Now, as they say, and you'll be well aware of this, is, uh, you know, who wants to live until 96? Ask a 95-year-old. <laughs> yeah. No, there are, you know, look, I... I 
I think, you know, for example, let's take the case of even potentially severe dementia. I've told people for years, you know, it is pot. It's a very scary thing for most people. Mm-hmm. It's possible to be happy and demented yep. to have pleasure to enjoy yourself, but it takes work from the caregivers around you. And I just don't find it, you know, the idea enjoyable if you don't know where you are, who you know, right. who you are, right. what's going on, that everybody's and and, and to be fair, you. to be fair, uh, you know, picks is very different than Louis body, right? Louis body is misery. Picks can be happy, so it's but it's different. It or you, even frontotemporal can be sort of okay. Um, yeah. So yeah, it depends on the kind of dementia. All right, my friend, thank you for calling in. I appreciate it very much. Oh, he's gone. So that's that. Uh, Okay, so Susan, you're getting you're getting active on some of the rumble rants. I see. Well, they were so like, well, I, I why know, did the I doctors know. in your office? Okay, but here's here's my take on it. I don't want to fault anybody. I think I think if you're an internal medicine person and mm-hmm. you have somebody who's sick and they come in the office and you mm-hmm. want to wear a mask, mm-hmm. wear a mask. Mm-hmm. Like that actually seems like the right place to wear it, mm-hmm. even though South Pasadena is the the signaling s- capital. Major, capital. yes, yes, and but also like all the doctors in my. All the offices I go to always have masks on too. Yeah, it's sort, but it's sort of, and theater. they make you put it's, a it's mask. It's pretty on. much theater at this point, but but I understand why it's kind of the last place to go. No, but it you, makes sense to I that- I left my mask in the car. I had to go all the way back in the parking lot and get it because they didn't have it at the door. I was like, it's a medical office. If I don't have a mask, you should give me one if you're going to make yeah. me wear it. <laughs> but it is annoying for the patients. But the doctors can wear it if they want, whatever. But they're okay. sick of it. They're like, oh, I'm just tired of the stupid thing, you know. All right, let me bring. Uh... Dr. Mike up, who's got a got something to tell us, I think. We'll see what gives. Magic Mike. No, it's Dr. Mike. There you are. How's it going? Good. Seen you for a while there. Sorry. Thanks for patience. What's up? Ooh, can't hear him. Do you guys hear him? I don't. His I sound hear is messed up. Noise, so. Oh, Mike. Sorry. We're going to. Are you there? Oh, there you are. There you are. What's going on? Okay, remember how monkeypox became a thing and then it didn't become a thing when kids and dogs started getting infected? It became a thing and then it didn't become a thing, okay? When kids and dogs became infected. Now, it kind of disappeared, but remember back in the 80s when Fauci was looking at the gay community and you really got a deep dive into how HIV and AIDS was getting around? How HIV and which and what? AIDS was getting around. Okay, yeah. Like, he really did yeah. a deep dive into the community, right? So yeah, yeah. Wouldn't we have gotten a really good idea how the kids were getting infected back then, too? With with what? HIV and AIDS. Uh, kids were still very rare, and it was all done, you know, it was, ha- it was happening through pregnancy and breast milk. Yeah, so... Kids were getting infected with HIV and AIDS, right? Kids were getting HIV and AIDS, yes. Intrapartum and breast milk was one of the concerns, yeah. Right. So wouldn't the the concern also be the same as the monkeypox vector? I didn't see any kids with monkeypox. I mean, that was pretty much limited to one community as far as I could tell. Well, right. But I'm saying back in the 80s when kids were getting infected with AIDS as well. Wouldn't they have been the same vector as monkeypox now? What, what do you mean by this? But kids don't, aren't getting it now. They, they'd have to have a mom that's infected. And that just right. wasn't happening. Well, what I'm saying back in, like, Fauci would have known how kids were getting it back in the 80s, so wouldn't he? he? We figured it out finally. It took a while. But yes, that was the, they finally got to it. Yep. Right. So wouldn't have been the 
like what I'm getting at is why wouldn't kids be getting it the same way as they got monkeypox this year? They didn't get like, monkeypox. There... They didn't really get monkeypox. Didn't happen. There was there was uh, there was allegations <laughs> that it was going to happen, but it just it just didn't happen. It stayed in the in the gay community and and it, it ended there. They I you know they right. got everybody vaccinated up and that was that. But what about all those reports of kids and dogs getting monkeypox? Yeah, there was all these. There was it's apocryphal, as we say, not something that had any any meaning to it. And if there was an occasional case or something, it just was you know incidental. It was not something that is just happening. And at that point, to get monkeypox, you have to have contact with the pox. And that was not, and that's different than HIV and AIDS, which requires body fluids. Very different, very different kind of transmission. Okay, uh, let's see what's going on here. Sorry, you guys want to get to you. This is moral and humanity. Let's see what that is. Moral and humanity. Sounds intriguing. And then I have to go pretty soon. I got to talk to our friend Michaela Peterson. Uh, there you are. What can I do for you? Another, we're having, you're right, Caleb. Uh, um, you have to remember there's a little delay. So. No, I know, but it's, it's, it, they come up and some people jump right on. And others, so what you should do is click them up before you mention them and let them connect. Okay. Just click them up. You could have more than one person waiting too. That is true. All right. Well, I'll do that. Okay. Get a couple up. Uh, juicy joy or something. Let's see what's going on. Hey, Doctor Drew. Oh, Josh, hold on a second. I got another one ahead of you. That's juicy. Susan's joy. making me put a multiple juicy people joy. Out. Yeah, uh, wait, and he'll he'll get juicy joy for. Okay, go ahead there. Okay, okay. Um, yes. Um, I have lupus and everything. Mm-hmm. Um, now, if from what I was told by my pharmacist um, about a year, two years ago, actually, they were implementing that all your prescriptions had to be sent in electronically now mm-hmm. i'm assuming that was done so that if you're if you're not sick you don't have to go to a doctor's office no but, no it, it's just part of the electronic health record uh push to get control over the data and the bureaucracy of medicine okay but with my pulmonary cardiologist um <laughs> i crack up because they still say you're you're one of my youngest patients you know mm-hmm. you go in there and you got everybody coughing up a lung yep um I have to literally go in there every single time to pick up my prescription because they refuse to fax this in. I you, mean, you're not. Are you, are you in California? I'm in Colorado. Oh, see, I don't know what's going on in California. California, you're not allowed to fax it in. You have to either do it electronically or on paper. Right, and it just and it depends on if it's a which control. Oh, if it's it a is. controlled substance, if it's a controlled substance, the doctor has to sign up for a special electronic i did not sign up for it because it's it's costly it's cumbersome and would just i'd rather just stay with the paper record so i i do it on paper now but the regular but the regular stuff that is just something that you know it's it's a new system now you can't fax stuff in thanks for calling here megan i'm gonna bring you up in a second josh go ahead and get get to it hey Hey, dr drew so um here's the thing for me, when I listen to you talk to guests like Naomi Campbell, I, I get scared because I wonder if this is going to turn into just a purely anti-government thing, mm. sort of like the guys who, who took over the Capitol um, and tried to say that Trump actually won the election. Mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. there's a lot of anti-government thing. I respect Naomi Campbell. I think she's right. 
But what I'm, what I, because I didn't get a vaccine myself. Mm. I mean, I, I thought this was crazy from the beginning. I've never gotten a vaccine. Um, so the thing, but the thing is, is I'm not out there saying that the vaccine is a pandemic itself. Yeah. It just seems crazy yeah. to me. Yeah, yeah, I'm with and, you. Everything seems I, crazy I to me right now. <laughs> yeah, and I, I just, you know, it's very hard, obviously. I'm I'm a minority in this probably, and, you know, I'm, I'm not professionally speaking about this. She is, and you are, and a lot of other people are. Josh, you know but what I, it is? I, let me just, let yeah. me put it this way. We're going to find out. You know what I mean? Like, like for instance, right. I was having a dialogue with somebody recently where he was saying, you can't have these people on. They're creating paranoia. And I thought to myself, no, either he's right, allowing to, the, allowing sunlight, allowing people to hear Naomi and Ryan Cole, things like that, is either making the paranoia worse or better. Now, my experience as 35 years in a psychiatric hospital, it's going to make it better. I, I believe that in my bones. So I'm willing to take that risk. But the reality is, is we're going to find out because I'm letting these people talk yeah. and, you know, we'll see. We'll see whether things get better or worse. I think, I, I don't expect to change many people's minds uh, because I know how impossible that is. But I right. do expect to reduce the paranoid thinking. And you see, we just kind of chatted about it today with some of the people that were getting paranoid. And it's pretty easy to talk them down. It's really yeah, cool. I mean, the girl with the girl with the young child, for yeah. me, what that makes me think about is it's the child and her and no one else. Yeah. And if anyone else wants to help, they can otherwise get out of the way because that's the most important thing going on for her at that time and for her child. And by so the way, for, for all of us, what could be more important than that, right? Of course. I mean, and yeah. so what I'm trying to say here is there's two ways to go about life from my point of view. One is to be disobedient like these guys who ran over the Capitol. The other is to say, maybe I can be disobedient to myself. Mm. Maybe my own views have gotten a little kooky, mm -hmm. and maybe I can stand up to myself and say, you know what, me, that's wrong. That's crazy. I'm you not going to do that. I, I love it. I love the construct. I, I, and it's, it's back to also what I was saying, like, stop, stop it. Say yes. stop it to yourself, Josh. I I'm a thousand percent engaged. I, I think that's it. But, but the thing is, is we're going to feel guilt. We're going to feel no, guilt no, when no, we it, do it. I, I don't think you will. You'll feel wounded. <laughs> you'll feel you feel some sort of shame. I think more than guilt, uh, and and that's kind okay. of, that's what I've seen over and over again. But thanks for that great idea. I love it. I, I I'm running out of time here because I said I've got to talk to uh, Michaela in just a second, and I want to talk to Megan before we get out of here. Megan, of course, is our. Uh, mask expert whom I interviewed on my podcast that should be coming out in a couple of weeks. But uh, you all haven't heard from her since I interviewed her a long time ago on this stream. But her messaging has gotten very clear. I strongly urge you to follow her on Twitter. She knows what she's talking about. And I actually have something to ask her. Get so. the book. What's her book? Bodies of Others. No, no, no. This is Megan. <laughs> Megan Mansell. Hey, Megan. Oh, hey, sorry. it's accommodating chaos. <laughs> mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Hey, I have a quick question for you. You, sure. you, you I, I'm watching what's going on on Twitter and stuff, and I'm sort of trying to to amplify some of your things. And but, but the one thing that struck me was, and I don't think you saw this, a mm -mm. a environmental biologist made a post about the gazuntite, right? Yeah. Explain to people what the gazuntite is. A gazuntite is an apparatus that captures the 
forward um, trajectory of your aerosol emissions. It's like a big cone. It's like a megaphone backwards against right. your face. And, and a lot of the and, a lot of the masking data is come off of this gazentite showing that no significant amount of virus, or we can argue about that. There it is. But not that much is going forward through the mask. And your point has been that that has nothing to do with what comes out from the mask on the sides, correct? I actually responded to each of his posts on there as well. Oh, I didn't see he, it. But he was yeah, saying he that the Gazuntite, he, he, he made a pretty good case for the Gazuntite being designed to capture the side plumes. And you're saying no. Well, it's only 130 liters per minute, which is within the range of respiration. There's, there's, there is nothing to measure the outward side plumes. There's, there's nothing to say. And also, one of the things that I shared on the data from it was that, okay, they, they tested with coronavirus, rhinovirus, and influenza, and... Somehow, the aerosol, you can eat all three of those if you want to. Sorry. <laughs> this is that day. This is that day. Because we're early. We're early today. and that's to eat all three yeah. of these cheese sticks. So, um, Yum. Um, but anyway, so the um, if you look at the data from the one that everybody is trying to use, um, magically, um, only coronavirus is captured by the mask. So the data shows full penetration or full capture of basically the same range of aerosols from both rhinovirus and influenza. But rhinovirus is smaller than <laughs> coronavirus. So that doesn't make sense. What makes sense to me is that they use data from a time that the machine was manu or, uh, malfunctioning or something. You can only eat them one at a time, baby. Eat that one first. Give me just a minute. <laughs> Sorry. This is why my husband came home to watch them while I was on your podcast. Oh. Um, <laughs> but what I, you know, what I want people to to see with it, that also only did surgical masks. And and at the same time, um, there's CDC, um, there's a, a CDC paper that was trying to assert assert a measure of source control and um, i actually didn't even get on here to talk about masks i had a question for you oh, i'll get but, to it in a second uh, I, give people your twitter handle where they can see all the oh, good sure. information I'm, you put on at mamasaurus meg um m-a-m-a-s-a-u-r-u-s meg m-e-g um and, on and, twitter and again explain to people you, you're what you do you do these environmental assessments you have a long history of these very complicated environmental uh Assessments. I don't know how else to describe it. Go ahead. You describe it. My, my background special populations. So making sure that, you know, if you have somebody who's medically vulnerable or immunocompromised, that their accommodations make sense and that the people who protect them are actually protected should they have um, a pathogen or, um, you know, if they have a an aerosol generating apparatus that they have to use as part of their care. And you have been um, ring, ringing then, the alarm from the beginning that our yes. mask approach was <laughs> yes. in, insane. Much, uh, uh -oh. much less hyper these days, as you pointed out. Yeah, if you, Susan, you remember, <laughs> do you remember, Meg, when she was on the show, now. she was like, yeah. I got to tell you, I have to tell you. And I was like, okay, okay. I couldn't remember <laughs> who it was, like the name, but I'm yeah. sorry, I forgot. But 
That was a long no, time ago, right. Dr. Drew. It was, it was a very I, she long time and, She ago. and I did a whole careful analysis on the Dr. Drew podcast. Should be coming out in a few weeks. And and then I then she went to town on Twitter, and so she's got a lot of good stuff up there, and it's it's just so clear. What, what I want, before we get to your question, what no, about not. what about what we were saying? Uh, somebody called in earlier. If you heard about you know how to address masking children and then the harm it's doing, what do you tell these people that are continuing the virtue signaling? Um, I've coached a lot of people on doing their school board presentations. I, I, I figured. <laughs> I, and, and if people reach out to me, I will help them. I always make it a point to help people. Um, but you need a united effort and you need to to point out for one thing that, OK, they're going to have local pediatricians go up there and say, you know, we don't want kids getting sick, which they kind of have to say. But no, but none of the local pediatricians are talking about how they are required to meet annually with an industrial hygienist for all of their fit tested prescribed hazard specific kit. And that every single apparatus you have ever seen on a child's face is unregulated, untested, and unsafe with zero efficacy fit filtration term of wear or medical clearance standards. Mm -hmm. Every single one of that. I didn't just pull that out of nothing, nowhere. I, I get that NIOSH standard from, from the CDC webpage. Um, there are no approved respiratory protectant apparatuses for children. Children have different respiratory rates, different respiratory pressures, um, breathing rates than, than adults, and... So what is, you know, perhaps well, protective and, for and you also, is non-interchangeable Not only that, but what child is going to be able to keep the mask on sufficiently for it to be proper wearing where there's even likely to be benefit from it? What child could, you know, properly don and doff an apparatus and, and keep it sterile for 8 to 12 hours a day? Impossible. You know, children are, are gross. And, 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 and so what the focus always should have been, especially for, you know, this is all supposed to be about protecting the most vulnerable children out there. Well, what what actually helps protect them is identifying them, you know, figuring out who actually needs this added level of protection because it is dangerous for some and to follow the hierarchy of controls, which pushes environmental mitigation measures and is not, it doesn't require compliance. Mm -hmm. It's about, you know, air exchange rates or dilution destruction technology. Um, and, you know, and one of the things I was asking recently is, you know, with the Ohio disaster and everything, um, are they going to finally address that we need a hazard-specific response and that you can't just go outside and you're in 95 and be safe against vinyl chloride, you know? And, and that's what we always needed here from the start, but but there was so much panic and so much guilt built into everything. Um, but but, and, it, but and it's, it's the, that we need to, I, I was pointing out though earlier that, you know, the, the Omicron, the, the COVID percolating around in the environment is pretty much about the same as it was a year ago. And a year yeah. ago we were having mask mandates. So yeah. let's take a look at that and start to get some rationality going here. And what I what I want people to understand is that the only reason it was ever pushed was under this false pretense that you wearing one protected others. Yep. You wearing an apparatus does not protect people from your respiratory aerosols. So this That's was right. eight eight months into the pandemic, this was readily accepted as an airborne pathogen, meaning aerosols, meaning matter that not, remains. Not and again, do not confuse it with a surgical mask, which nope. is blocking spit with bacteria yep. from falling into a surgical field. This is aerosol. It goes through and the environment. You from in the like air. arterial spray or dental debris from getting into your 
totally different. Totally different. They're con- people are confusing all these things. You know, body fluids versus spit versus mucus versus blood versus airborne versus droplet versus aerosol. These are and all I completely actually, different. I actually did an updated version of my mini book after being on your podcast so that people could have the breakdowns that I was talking about regarding, um, you know, we, we have the Cochrane review coming out now and, um, with everything with that, it's people are starting to understand that N95s didn't work. That surgical mask didn't work. I want people to understand why. Mm. And I also did some threads that I, I tagged you in on that where, you know, if we're breaking it down on output, and, and this is just based on what we know about this hazard right now. We yeah. could have more information come out later, and these could all be adjusted you know, with, within the given parameters. But what is currently available about output, about our particle to PFU, about um, our minimum effective dose ranges is that Many times the required dosage is still allowed, even if you wore these apparatuses perfectly. Yeah. And and so what what the focus must be on is removal of the hazard. Yeah. Um, yeah. So so you came I, in with a question. What's the question? Yeah. Um. And and then I also had an anecdote okay. after that. If you don't mind, okay. it was about Bernie Sanders. But okay. um, my question mm-hmm. was. No one seems to be, you were talking about vaccination mm. and vaccination's not something that I closely follow. It's mm. you know, not my wheelhouse. I don't pretend it is, but nobody, there's so many different manufacturers of vaccines. There's so many different types at this point. Mm-hmm. And I, I wanted to know if you knew of anybody following research on manufacturer specific uh, vaccine data, because I think that that's an important element that could be. There is, there is, yeah. And and they're they're getting into they're getting into lot specific, not just even manufacturer, but actually lot specific. So mm-hmm. so that is being looked at. That does get looked okay. at. It's not widely distributed, but uh, manufacturing is carefully followed. That's what something the FDA does a good job at. Um, they follow yeah. that very carefully. Um, but in terms of which lot and, you know, there, there's, there's concern, you know, I've been watching the COVID vaccine stuff more closely and there's sure. concerns about some of the kinds of spike proteins that are being produced and some of the, the, um, the refinement of the MRNA that's in the particular vaccine versus one vax versus another. So there's, there's a, I don't, I'm not sure that's settled science yet, but, but people are looking at those things. They are. So that's good. Yeah, Tell us the anecdote. Mm. Whoops. The other thing that I was going to say is um, my daughter's like howling like a banshee, but she's fine. She's okay. <laughs> there's not actually okay. anything wrong. She just thinks it seems funny. Um, but the other thing I was going to say was about Bernie Sanders with the photo. Um, one of the I, I had shared it in the the chat group, but um, somebody had commented and he's gotten a lot of praise that he was the only person still wearing a respirator. Um, and the, did, did, the my question is, say, Megan, my question is, did everybody else in the room get COVID? Did somebody die in there of COVID? Everybody got COVID? Oh, nobody got well, COVID? My, shocking. Shocking. My, my point was that, uh, he wasn't protecting anybody else. There's pictures of him that he had to cut, keep taking off his glasses to wipe them from his exhale emission plume. Oh. And that's something that no one ever wants to it talk about. It your glasses up. 
Yeah. Well, but that's the, yeah. all that's those, the, are what, your ex, those are your respiratory emissions. Right. Those emissions <laughs> are full of virus. Right. Yeah. That's you not if protecting you were, other people. Yeah. And it's, by okay. the way, you not being very well protected from other people either. It's both. Yeah. And, but the nose bridge plume happens even in a fully fitted apparatus. That's that's the escape. Um, okay. the he was just covering up the fact that he doesn't have any teeth left. So, oh, no. <laughs> I'm kidding. So people are asking, what are the studies that show masks don't work? There are three huge studies. One was in Bangladesh, one was in Denmark, and now a recent meta-analysis with, with the Cochrane analysis. Cochrane is the highest level of academic standing for a meta-analysis. And the Cochrane analysis showed no benefit. I'm sure you have other ones, Megan. What are the other studies you would quote? Um, I would connect, I would quote the um, Conley RCT, which is the Canadian RCT, um, that basically showed there was also no performance difference between um, surgical masks and N95s. Mm -hmm. I think that's important because donning an N95 is far more restrictive than donning a surgical mask. Mm -hmm. and. You know, and, and I think that it, it goes to show we're talking about mismatched apparatuses. And, and my point has never been, oh, there's nothing that can be done. There there are things that can be done. It's just not what anybody is doing. And people like to call me an anti-masker, but usually you're not super specific about something when you're anti that thing. <laughs> like I am trying to be helpful. My uh, so. dentist wears a gas mask. When he, when he works on he, he wears a respirator. And and it's funny because like I we're friends and we when we say hello, we kiss each other. I take your mask off. I go, <laughs> I just hugged you. Like, geez. But he it's just hard because they have to they still wearing the pro you know, trying to live up. I just um saw this thing on my phone that said teen girls report record levels of violence, sadness, and suicide risk. CDC survey yeah. finds. Yeah, not surprising. Shocking everybody. I mean predictable on that's day what we one of be COVID. About. Predictable with their with the lockdown. Day one of lockdown, predictable. And why they didn't think about that is just awful to me. Terrible. All right. Well, Megan, well, thank, thank you thank so you much. Uh, good Sorry for, and, for uh, taking up so much time. No problem. <laughs> I didn't mean and to it, bum everybody's role, but um, <laughs> it's, no, I mean, it's I shocking like it that we're not more aware of that. We're not working on that. You know, that we're, I mean, it just well, came out in the news. I mean, thank God somebody wrote this article, but um usa today but yeah. I, I you know that's what worries me the most is how we're harming harming our kids you know and what what the next step is right well uh, we we talked to a friend of ours that's in washington dc just now who's uh they are they are beginning to sort of think about this of course they aren't talking about how they caused it but they're beginning to think about what needs to be done uh and megan i, I wonder if we should like you, you did you give me all your re references in an email once did i have that I I there? I thought Megasaurus, she was done talking Meg. and I took her off by accident. Oh, uh, uh, sorry. Well, <laughs> uh, Megan, uh, but but people can do followers. Megas no, Megasaurus mom. Mamasaurus Meg. Mamasaurus <laughs> Meg. Go follow sorry. her, Megan. Uh, put some put some oh data God, up. People seem me. to want the specific it's data. The COVID shot. So I know you've got lots of it. But again, there are three. The the main studies there are three. Sort of the the. The, the the studies that were most anticipated because everyone thought, ah, this is how we're going to prove it works. The three biggest studies all were categorically no. Didn't mask mandates do not work. Denmark, Bangladesh, Cochrane analysis. And so and they and they get pushed away as soon as they as soon as they show the the different uh, results than people anticipated. And that that is a problem, everybody. 
Uh, Tracy, let's get you in here. And we're going to wrap up pretty soon here. It's always surprising. You, you pull them up and bing. They're like, oh, that's me. Uh, here they are. It takes a second. There's a little delay. So. Yeah. Molten Salt lost a job because of uh, not getting the shot. Yeah. Boy, that re a restream. A regular over on Rumble. That restream is really... Uh, I know. Everybody's really chatting it up today. Uh, Tracy, unmute yourself. There's a microphone in the lower right-hand corner. There she goes. Here you are. Hi, Dr. Drew. Hi, I'm a big, big fan. Thanks. So thank you for giving me the uh, time to ask a question. I'm a registered nurse for 30, 30 years. And um, also um, had a severe vaccine injury from the H1N1 mm. flu shot back in 2010, mm -hmm. which led me down a big rabbit hole of uh, finding out information I never dreamed of finding out. Mm. Um, so I'm skeptic. I was skeptical from day one um, when this uh, COVID jab came and started getting pushed on everyone. Um, my question is, what has happened to the pharmacist? Um, you know, why are the pharmacists comfortable promoting and vaccinating or jabbing people with a package insert that's blank? I just, I cannot fathom. You know, and, I'm going to give a, that's an interesting question. I, I like it. I, I'm going to give a talk to the Board of Pharmacy in a couple of months. And I will ask them that. Um, Maybe you should get an example of it. Go to the pharmacy and get one. And get the package insert? Yeah. It's blank because they have an EUA, right? And uh, and so we know why it's blank. The question is, what do they? Th how do they think it through? What, what do they think they're doing? I mean, it's the holy grail for pharmacists. It's how they give informed consent. Mm -hmm. So I just don't understand how they can just put that aside and just... Yeah. Just give something they have no idea what's in it or what kind of ill effect it may have. I will ask them. Thank you, Tracy. Appreciate it. You're welcome. Okay. You're welcome. I'm looking for, for I'll be watching for okay. that answer. Okay. I'll we'll try to get it. I think when I got my first vaccine, though, I had a huge pile of paperwork that had all that stuff on it. Uh, no, didn't. you probably signed to some kind of release. And, yeah. and a lot of but people were not there, signing releases. But I think there was a lot of stuff on there that I didn't read. <laughs> of course. Uh, I'm going to try to get Dr. J up here and see what his or her point of view is. Um, and I'll wrap up soon. My next thing was canceled, by the way. Whenever you're... Oh, my God. <laughs> Imagine that. Relax. What's up there? Jay? Uh, hi, can you hear me? Gotcha. Hey, uh, I'm actually a practicing uh, psychiatrist, um, so I'm going to kind of keep my name a little bit anonymous. Okay. Uh, but first, I want to thank you for everything you do. My pleasure. Um, thank you for being here. Yeah. Hey, what, um, let me ask, before you go on, let me ask you, what, what do you think about my experience with paranoid ideation? So, so I'm, you know, I'm very familiar with the literature on changing minds, and and I think the way minds are changed is essentially the same process that people use with certain kinds of psychotherapeutic techniques, but you don't change minds with argumentation. But but I have right. noticed that you can reduce paranoia with information, with 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 just more information. The 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 more people feel like they're getting the info, the less paranoid they get. Do you do you agree with that? 
I'm I'm sorry. I'm I'm actually in my my doctor's waiting room. I understand. And just came up. I understand. Um, yeah. But the question so, point was: Do you agree that the more information you give people that are prone to paranoid ideation, the less they're up paranoid ideation? That that is debatable. Uh, I, okay. I think I think it depends on the person how um, intense the delusion or the paranoia. Yes. Okay, I beg your pardon. Um, excluding excluding you know ma serious mental illness, Ex excluding people with you know manias and schizophrenias, that kind of thing. Yes, I mean people providing more more information yeah. and and time. Yeah, uh, hopefully that that does improve the paranoia. Yeah. All right. What's your what's what made you call in? Uh, so I, I was just curious, um, have you really tried to get any um, interviews with Dr. Krauss and Dr. Gruber, the two uh, med medical um, or, or senior FDA officials that resigned due to the, the vaccines or the boosters? Because, I, I, you know, I guess this is debatable. I kind of feel like they almost owe the public um, a little bit of a... a, a direct interview and questioning as far as like historically yeah. what's been the protocol for approving these things, yeah. how it changed. Yeah. Um, and then ultimately why they either resigned or were fired. I, I thought, um, I listen, I am, I am, it's a great idea, Susan. We, we have a crack booker that I will, will. It's Dr. Krauss or Gruber, you said? Yeah. Sorry yeah. guys, I have to run. Okay. Thank okay. you. Great point. Thank Stay you for bringing well. that up. We'll go after it. I thank you. Stay well. Yeah, man. Um, the, yes, get her on that there to see you. Caleb's got it up there on the screen. Um, and you know, who's been after this is, uh, Vinay Prasad. He's been talking a lot about it and, uh, we should absolutely, it's almost irresponsible that I haven't thought of that before. Thank you. Uh, be really, really, Crack really producer, uh, yeah, we'll get, we'll get our people on it. And, uh, <laughs> and, uh, I like when our, our guests produce our show. It's nice. Yeah. Oh, it's a great suggestion. We are open to stuff. Okay, let me uh, quickly go around the uh, the horn here with some of the comments. See what's uh, what you guys are talking about. Marion Gruber and Philip Krause. Thank you, Michael. Marion Gruber and Philip Krause, Susan. Okay, uh, I'm going to copy that to so make sure I've got it myself. Uh, I've been I've heard about them, and as I said, Vinay Prasad was very concerned about that, and he thinks they're two of the more upstanding members of that board, and was sort of shocked when they when they uh, bowed out. Okay, uh, and then finally, I'm going to look over on the Rumble Rant, see what you guys are up to. Got some Lyme disease patients over there, which is a miserable, frustrating illness, I understand. Uh, you might talk to the COVID long haulers guy if you they are looking at Lyme and other chronic conditions like uh, Epstein-Barr and things and trying to think of ways to work with that. Uh, Dr. Prasad did an AMA where he thought we were too paranoid about the government response in summer 2020. I don't know what quite that means. Ain't woke, don't fix it. Um, but we but we have been interviewing him a number of times on this show. And uh, I, I recommend you all to, you know, in terms of Twitter follows, Vinay Prasad, Monica Gandhi, Mamasaurus Meg, Meg, Megan, Megan Mansell. These are really good. Did Meg ever get censored on Twitter? Uh, I don't know the answer to that. Uh, will Adam Carolla be making an appearance on the show? On the show, Salt wants to know. We could get him in here pretty easily. I think. Yeah, that would be easy. I don't know what we would. You know, he's I not... think. Um, I think you're going to make an appearance with him on Megan Kelly on. Um, oh, that's right. So. so he and I are going to Megan Kelly together. That should be <laughs> fun. Yeah. So so look for a Megan Kelly podcast. And uh, when I get on that, we'll I think talk it's the 27th. It. All right, we do need to wrap these things up, Susan. It's her I... show. Yeah, her show is live on Sirius. So I don't. 
Is it? I, I think, think it's, it's live on Sirius, but it, huh? they it also have video. Sirius. But it's yeah. on the twenty seventh of, of with uh, you and Adam. Upcoming for us, Duncan Trussell tomorrow. Jessica Rose on the fifteenth. That's Wednesday. We rescheduled Dave Rubin to the twenty first, and then Brooke Jackson on the twenty second. Then Kelly's got, of course, some more ideas down the road, and we will go for these two FDA officials as well. Thank you for your questions you and calls. You might see us on Monday for more questions. Yeah, you guys have been great. I always love doing these shows. I appreciate the interaction. Thank you to the, the health professionals that called in and asked great questions of me. I, it's very important for me to hear from peers. I think I think it, you know, the peers need to be talking, interacting, supporting Just each like other. Just like the mom should be interacting. Just like the mom should be. It's I think exactly we need, right. We need more moms to come together. Yeah. Uh, I, I and agree, fight. and and it's and I liked Go I liked Josh's idea about telling yourself to stop the grandiose. Just hold it, stop. You look. He, one thing that I have learned over and again from this pandemic: hubris is the enemy, certainty is the enemy. Stay open to possibilities. Keep keep light on your feet because the information may come come in that suggests you're wrong or maybe you're right. I don't know, but just stay open to ideas and data because we still aren't. We still Got a lot of questions, and we're still not where we need to be yet. Uh, thank you all for being here. We appreciate it. Uh, thank you, Caleb, for producing. Susan, as well. Uh, we'll be in here tomorrow at our usual time, 3 o'clock. It's all Caleb. From Austin with the great Duncan Trussell. We will see you then. Ask Dr. Drew is produced by Caleb Nation and Susan Pinsky. As a reminder, the discussions here are not a substitute for medical care, diagnosis, or treatment. This show is intended for educational and informational purposes only. I am a licensed physician, but I am not a replacement for your personal doctor and I am not practicing medicine here. Always remember that our understanding of medicine and science is constantly evolving. Though my opinion is based on the information that is available to me today, some of the contents of this show could be outdated in the future. Be sure to check with trusted resources in case any of the information has been updated since this was published. If you or someone you know is in immediate danger, don't call me, call 911. If you're feeling hopeless or suicidal, call the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline at 800-273-8255. You can find more of my recommended organizations and helpful resources at drdrew.com help. Hey.